Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. The one that the scripture says very plainly, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Isn't that wonderful that we're saved by through Jesus, the blood of Jesus, but that he gives you everything that you need to pervade the spiritual life and godliness in him. Praise the Lord for that. What a tremendous, wonderful God we serve. Nice we can meet outside. I hope none of you are too chilly because it is not the hottest here in the shade. I hope that you can worship God. This isn't as bad as it could be if we was in a persecuted place where it's stuffy and whatever. Still, at least you got fresh air, right? A lot to be thankful for. Let's look at Colossians 2, verses 5 to 7. Colossians 2, verses 5 to 7. For Paul said to believers, For though I am absent in I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> what a tremendous thought he had here. He said, look, I just appreciate your steadfastness in your faith and how you have order in your services, how you orderly are obeying him. And uh, I've been thinking a good bit, and the Lord laid a, uh, a burden on my heart. You know, uh, the pandemic has been pretty distracting to a lot of us. And some, uh, and I really think uh, that God would be pleased if we wouldn't be distracted so much by a pandemic, but that we would be uh, concerned about being steadfast in our faith. So that's the title of the message, being steadfast in our faith. And that's it there in verse 5, steadfastness in the faith. And, what, uh, and he goes on to say, you know, to be that way, you have to receive Christ humbly, you come to him in repentance, and you receive him humbly, and so you walk in him, okay? It's very important that we walk in him, and his word speaks. His word gives direction. His word leads our life. It led us to repentance, and it leads us onward to be faithful to him and steadfast, and, that, and you've got to be rooted and built up and established in the faith. What a tremendous blessing. Who talks about the most holy faith? It's not just the faith, uh, my faith, it's a faith in the Lord. The most holy faith. And I'm glad we follow Jesus and have faith in Him. We have that most holy faith. But then also earlier in the book of Jude where it says that we must earnestly contend for the faith. Now, you know, the more we get distracted on other things, the less we contend for what's important. And he said, look, I tell you, if he said that back there 2,000 years ago, you must earnestly contend for faith. I wonder what he would tell us if he made it up to date for us today, okay? Well, I'm glad we can have faith in Jesus. And it's very important that we understand that and that we know our faith is in him and we can be established in him, not a faith, but the faith. 
And I'm glad that faith that is always shown by the life in the practice of the life, okay? It's not just faith and it's just however. And so I am so glad that Jesus showed us and our Anabaptist forefathers about uh, 500 years ago gave us a faith on the Bible. So look, our, our faith needs to be in the Bible. And so we strongly believe that we're separated unto God. And, and that's a privilege. In other words, we're, we're not just out here doing what we want to do and following the, uh, the, the heathen uh, directives and lifestyle. We're separated unto God. It just brings a nonconformity to the world. And that was a big issue back then, and it still is a big issue today. And so to maintain that faith, a few of the apologies were solid Bible preaching. Okay, and I praise God we can still have solid Bible preaching. We need that. They believed in a church that prayed much, okay? There was much prayer. And that's why prayer meeting, uh, I think in your prayer life, personal prayer life, is, uh, is, is significant items to being steadfast to the Lord. It's very important. And uh, I also think that uh, obeying the ordinances and uh, the holy gifts, that's why it bothers us so bad that, 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 that this needs to come back in. I hope it comes back in sooner rather than later. And, and obeying the ordinances uh, is very important. And being a plain, simple church uh, body is, is important. And so there was, there, there's been, and so to make that apply, apply for today, the, the plain suit uh, was a good application for that. The modest dress is still a good application of biblical uh, doctrine. We're a good, modest dress, and I am glad that uh, our forefathers saw that the cape dress, a loose cape dress, is a good application of that. There's a lot of it that's being steadfast. It's, it's interesting to read and to note when you talk to people that other people look in and say, man, I love your lifestyle. I love your lifestyle. And I don't think they realize that we're not trying to be a, a, a strange entity in this world. We're, we're different because of Jesus in our hearts, right? We're different because of Jesus. And that's important. And those people, they want that. And it's, it's sad to see, and I'm sure Father God, that when people that have been blessed, to have this passed on to them, we haven't had to pay the big price, okay? I know that. We haven't. And yet have we? Maybe we should have. You know what the big price is? Giving up self. Can I say it clearly? Giving up self. I think it's a big price. I'm still on that journey. I hope you are too. I think we all are for we Christians. But see, that's attractive. You say, you know what? They know, they realize, those people out in the world, they realize that, you know what? You know, just having fun every night is no good. Living for pleasure. You know, watching videos, movies, and, and whatever, parties. That isn't what satisfies, right? Christians should say amen to that. But, you know, they say, you've you got something. You have joy in meeting and fellowshipping with believers. You have joy going to prayer meetings. You have joy witnessing to your neighbors. You have joy of being service to you and your brotherhood and to others. You have joy in that. That's what drives your life. And it makes all the difference. See? Steadfastness of the faith. And we're getting, it's getting eroding. You know, we, we have it. 
like his idea. I've heard him say it. Actually, there needs to be a split, church split about every 30 to 40 years. You know why? You have to you have to count where you're standing. You have to count where you're standing. You have to dig in and stand. You know? You know, we've been a conference now for about 50 years. And I think we need to count where we're going to stand. I think we need to realize that. And we're steadfastness. Steadfastness. Yeah. What a blessing you've had passed down to you and I to me, and we want to pass it on to you and your children. Thank you, David, for those thoughts. All your thoughts uh, were paralleled with what I had to say. The faith, you know, being steadfast in the faith. As it says in Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful to promise. So what is our profession of our faith? It means acknowledgement, confession. It does not mean what is starting to happen in a lot of Protestant churches, that you just believe in Jesus Christ, and that will get you where you need to be, and you can just live like you want to the rest of the time. That's not what it means. It means, as I said before, when we accept Jesus, we become separated unto God, and that's going to change your lifestyle. That will change the way you live. Because faith without changing practice is not faith. It is not faith. But thank God we don't need to be that way. And so it becomes popular to hear things like, oh, uh, you know, come to Jesus and, you know, it'll just be an easy road. Well, I thank God it's a much better road because Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. You even through um, tough times, Jesus is with us. He's going before us. You know, we can we can look to him. You know, and you hear some sometimes implied, maybe not just said, you know, Jesus doesn't ask that much of you. And really, have you ever realized what Jesus has asked of you and me? Everything. If I get the idea, it's everything. And I hope that isn't a sire thought to you. Because if he doesn't have everything, guess what? We have opportunities to grow. We have opportunity to grow. I've heard it said, if salvation is free, why does it cost so much? That's a true that's a true point. It's free, but it costs us everything. And so we don't want to be those that just sit there and preach an easy believe gospel. And so that makes preaching in a lot of churches a little different, I've heard. I've heard that, you know, they sit there and they preach sermons that salve salve a person's lifestyle. And uh, especially even when it's in sin. And uh, it's not confronting. Uh, they don't have an exhorting brotherhood. It's more or less just live and let live. And I've even heard something in our midst not long ago. And uh, I, I, the idea was okay, but the working out, uh, I wonder how God feels. And he said somebody, you know, we have a lot of hurting among us, and we sure do. And I think God cares about that, and I hope you do too. And a person said, oh, you know, I tell you, we need more people just to go up and put your arm around that person and say, we're going to make it through together. Well, I wonder what God thinks of that. How do you think we need to be very encouraging and caring in our hearts? Friends, if I'm the, I have a, a spiritual problem, I don't need somebody just to come and put his arm around me and tell me we'll make it through together. I need somebody to come up and say, brother, I'm praying for you. How can I help you spiritually? 
I need spiritual help, okay? If I'm starting spiritually, I don't need somebody to say, we're just going to walk together down this unspiritual road. I, don't, I, need, I, 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 I tell you, see, and that's coming into our churches today. Let's just walk together. You know, we're just, just going to walk together, and we'll just work it together. How about just saying, look, Jesus is our answer. Let's look in the book how we can get a grip of things, how we can understand what God wants. See, gee, God cares about us being steadfast in our faith. And there's things happening out there in the world and in Protestant churches that are creeping into our Anabaptist churches. I think God cares about those things. I really do. So, he says, look, how is it with me? You know, I don't want to live and let live. I want to grow and help everybody grow spiritually. And, and that's going to show. And God cares. So, there's very little complaining in a lot of churches. And... You know, you don't hear much about the headship bailing. You don't hear much about being separate from the world. You don't hear much about holy lifestyle tomorrow and in business and in how we deal. You know, it's a very popular gospel. It's an easy gospel, and it fills the pews. I wonder what Jesus thinks. He cares about us. Well, you got to always remember that our doctrine is no better than our practice. For that years ago, and I just can't help but say it. Because people say, you know, well, you know, we're following Jesus. Well, your lifestyle, if our lifestyle gets the privilege of backing up what Jesus says. So, you hear out there a compromising gospel. And it's starting to creep in, possibly. You know, Jesus needs to be lifted up. And to do this in our life and practice, self needs to die pretty bad. In fact, the scripture says daily. And it's kind of a tough thing to think, but it's where you want. See, Jesus not only just needs to be first, he also needs to be everything. So sometimes second and third things crop up. Jesus not only needs to be first, he needs to be everything in your life. And that makes the world a difference. It's a blessed walk. So we need to preserve and persevere, persevere and be steadfast in being faithful and steadfast in the faith. A few number of years ago, you youngsters might not even remember this because I can't get, I don't remember, time flies for me. It could have been 10, it could have been 20, I don't even know. It might have been 30. There was a book put out by Charles Schell. You remember that book? The name didn't ring a bell, the author, but just uh, in his steps. Have you read that book, In His Steps? Let's see. Some, <laughs> well, that's who wrote it, okay, I think. And the main emphasis was, and you've heard this, WWJD, right? You know what that means? You youngsters, what does it mean? There you go. Now, you're not a youngster, Ralph, but <laughs> you talk anyhow. <laughs> you remember, even you, uh, you, that was good. And the main challenge is, what would Jesus do? And I had to wonder, and it's true. I read an encouraging article not long ago, what would Jesus do that relates to the pandemic? And I was amazed what I think Jesus would do. I think he would be too. I think he would do what we're trying to do. I got it right. And I think it's important that, you know, do I have a faith of a mustard seed? Is my faith living up to his holy standards, where it says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, 
take you to thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. And in so doing this, thou shalt uh, both save thyself and them that hear thee. So continue in them. Friends, if we want a faith that will be passed on, we got to appreciate the doctrine passed down to us. And what a tremendous blessing that is. And we got to enjoy it and practice it and do it cheerfully, and it's passed on to the next generation because it will save you, it will save your children, and it will bless your grandchildren. Okay? And you want that. We all want that, but friends. A lot of times how we relate to what's going on and how we feel about church how we feel about giving up self makes all the difference in the world of how it's passed to our family. It makes all the difference in the world. Woe unto the preachers that preach an easy gospel, or for us, or even for us, the temptation to, uh, to talk down good applications of holiness. Don't want to do that, do that at all. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And aren't we so bad that Jesus is the author of our faith? There's no other faith other than in Jesus and in his word that's worth living for. And so that's why we must be anchored in the Bible. And then it starts out, and, and, he, and he is faithful. He started us right. If we look to him, he'll continue us right. And then he'll be the finisher if we stay steadfast. But that's the challenge for today. Am I being steadfast to the faith that was passed on to me? And then it starts out there, wherefore seeing. And, um, you know, it's interesting to read Hebrews 11. And the only reason why that chapter is meaningful is because how these patriarchs of faith practiced their faith. They lived out their faith. If they wouldn't have lived it out, then you wouldn't have seen their name in chapter 11. So it goes back there again. Faith, true faith, is lived out in the life. And it's a blessing that we can live that way. You know, that cloud of witnesses, all those 11, but you had to wonder, how about our Anabaptist forefathers 500 years ago that died at the stake so that you could have a pure faith? They died at the stake. Isn't that something? Yeah, they was willing to do that. They was uh, very willing to do that. They were persecuted. I just read a book not long ago. I read books and I can't remember all the names and titles, but I do remember certain things. And this man went to uh, uh, communist countries. This was about 20 years ago. And he said, you know, what What makes persecution grow? And you know what he told that man? He said, don't you, please don't you give up in freedom what we go to jail for over here. Please don't you give up in freedom what we go to jail for. Friend, that spoke to me. That spoke to me. You know, we, we, we nitpicked and we looked and we complained. And 
Now, I got to stay off this stage because I can preach a long while and then I won't be near done on this one. <laughs> but that's me. We live in this land of freedom. And, and we can practice and we can talk to people. Man, I tell you, when you live for Jesus and you let it go practical in your faith, you're not an oddball before Jesus. You might be an oddball for the world, but you're right in line with what Jesus wants. Amen? Friends, he's going to have a strange group. He's got a unique group that's sold out for him, and they're going to stay true to him. And it's easy to get in in this, this uh, uh, environment we live in. The guy says, look, this faith is worth living for, and it's worth dying for. And we need to get that now because persecution could be just around the corner. Persecution should be around the corner, so you better be counting the cost now. And if we don't stand up now in the good times, friends, i tell you, it's going to be an unusual character got enough nerve to stand up when it gets tough. Yes, this, that's what God wants us to do. So, wow, what a privilege. So he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does beset, easily beset us. So what does Jesus feel about my besetting sin? See, if we're going to be steadfast in the faith, one thing we got to do is eradicate sin out of our lives. And that's tough. Because what do we do when the Holy Spirit speaks to us? What do we do? I know Jesus. I hope you haven't practiced it, but I have some of my life. We make excuses. Oh, that, 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 there's a so-and-so past person in the church, you know, and he does that. He means there's more, you know. Have you ever thought that? Well, if you have, you wouldn't the first one. That's for sure. I wish you'd be the last one. I'll say that. But we do that. We compare ourselves to ourselves all the time. We think we're okay. When the Holy Spirit speaks, you know why he's speaking to us? You know why? So we'll respond in repentance. That's the only reason why he speaks with conviction. That's the one reason why. So we respond in repentance. And yet, you know, we get this walking beside mentality. Now, why not exhorting to raise up? Why not that? I think that, in other words, if we're going to maintain the faith, we can't rally around lukewarmness, okay? We can't rally around compromise, okay? Does that make sense? You know, yes. It doesn't take, you don't have to be as old as Ralph to know that our church is drifting some. That the nice church is drifting somewhat challenged. Hopefully you're not. But the church at large, the Anabaptist church at large, is 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 struggling with compromise. What are we going to do about it? I tell you, friends, it's personal. It's personal. It's personal. We we can decide, I am going to stand up for the most holy faith. I'm going to honestly contend for that faith. I don't need to be giving in. I don't want to be that way. Yes, but what it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love that. When everything becomes new, it changes our life. But you know what? We're bombarded with so many things. Where it says also in Luke 8, 14 and 15, where it says, And that which fell among thorns, that's the word of God, are they, which they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit unto perfection. But that on the good ground are they 
which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Okay. Can I emphasize with patience? Because I think that's what I need. I think that's what we all need. This says a number of things. The American Anabaptist Church is loaded with cares and riches. Think about it. We are being bombarded with cares and riches. Jesus talked about that two thousand years ago. He said, "What am I doing with that?" We're going to be steadfast, friends. We've got to win now. Now, some people said the cares is for youngsters, the riches are for little ways, and the old people are the pleasures of this life. But you know what? I see them all grouped up. They come as a ball. On some of us, you know, the more you have, the more you seem to want to have. The more care it brings. And then we love pleasures of this life. In fact, we get so self-centered than anything that um, messes up my pleasure. I gripe about that. I gripe about that. Yeah. Steadfastness in the faith. Heirs of this life, riches and pleasure. Bring no fruit. We're not being steadfast. They may go to church every Sunday morning. They're not steadfast. But the good ground are they which... They look honestly into this word. They're open to it. They have an open heart. They say, Lord, what do I want to do? I'll give up anything for you. I'm, I'm willing to surrender all. Having heard the word and keep it, obey the word of God, whatever it costs, I'm going to obey it. You know why? You'll be standing right in the middle of the right crowd. Okay? You'll be standing right in the middle of the right crowd. They keep it and they bring forth fruit. Oh, to bring forth fruit. And to patiently endure. Wow. What a good word for me. Yeah, these people aren't looking at the things that that hinder them. They're not looking at things that are inconvenient to them. They want to be steadfast. They're not worrying. They're not fretting. They want to be true to God. Yes, that's very important to them. Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. Romans 13, some more encouragement. And that, knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep. And for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This thing nails it right up. I tell you, Paul's saying to those Romans and us in the Shenandoah Valley, it's time we have a wake-up call. That's what he's saying. Look, we need to wake up. It's easy, and I'm not saying this is for you, but it is for me, because you can be lulled to sleep. You know, and all of a sudden you can have some, you, know, you can put a lot of energy in, in, in what you think is distracting, and it's distracting us from our most holy faith in Jesus. He wants us to look to him, the altar and the finisher of our faith. He says, stay true to him. Wake up because you're closer to being called in now than you was when you first believed. He could come yet today. You, your life 
to be called into question before God Almighty today. And in fact, if he don't call us by through death, I think he's calling us to think about our faith this morning anyhow. I really think he is. He's saying, where are you? What where, where, grounds you? You know, because that's going to be part of the works of darkness. That group, no, 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 we're going to walk in the light. Well, honestly, openly, not um, no drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, and envy. That isn't standing out there, is it? Lust, pain, strife, and divisiveness. Devil's brought that into the camp. Terrible, terrible thing, terrible, terrible thing. Said, no, there's a better lifestyle. Put on Jesus. Follow him faithfully. Walk through him. Don't give in to the beckonings of the flesh. You won't, you, this person won't be watching videos. He won't be doing all kinds of clips and stuff that turns away from Jesus. That Jesus wouldn't be tickled if he was watching over their shoulder. They know that. They wouldn't be there. They said, no, you're going to put those things away. Guess what? You can answer that internet questionnaire clearly every day. Do we walk like this? Steadfastness of the faith, friends. Steadfastness of the faith. Not accommodating our besetting sin. But seeing as it is that God wants us, he wants victory. He said, look, you know what? If you're getting lost, please wake up. There's a spiritual awakening that would bless you. It'll bless the kingdom. And, you know, hopefully you don't need it, but it challenges me because we're being bombed by these things. Yes, God cares. He don't want us to live by our fleshly desires. He don't want us to compromise. He don't want us to, uh, to, to, to do things that detriment us. Well, there's going to be a group, and they're going to press on, and they're going to keep on being faithful. There's going to be a group. And I praise God every last Christian here this morning can be that. Where it says in Mark 13, 13, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, we don't want to lose. We want to endure to the end. I want to remind you, everything you give up for Jesus will, will look small in eternity. I know we fight and we war to give up best it is. I know that. I'm in the battle with you. But everything you give up for Jesus will look small in eternity. May I add the other side? Everything we don't give up for Jesus, and we know we should have, is going to loom enormous in eternity. I think we better think of both of them. I think we better think of both of them. I like the positive one. This light affliction, Paul said. I'm just going to give it up. No, I haven't been drug out for dead. And then go right back in the same city preaching the gospel. And what was made, what, what kind of stuff was he made of? The very same stuff that every Christian that's going to be true to Jesus got to be made of today. And that is a true follower of the Holy Spirit and saying, look, irregardless what people do, I don't care if it's the, uh, the Protestant church or even creeping into the Anabaptist church. I'm not going there. I'm going to be steadfast to this holy faith. We have something worth pass- passing on. And I praise God we do. 
if your forefathers 60 years ago would have stood up, we would, could easily be just like Virginia Conference. You realize that? Some I mean, of your older folks here know that. And you need to know that. And you're going to have to stand up and be counted for the most holy faith if you're going to have a faith worth passing on to your children, you youngsters. We better realize that. Let's don't get distracted. This, this is real important. I'm praise God for that. I have a lot more to say, but I'll go to the end, okay? Um, this, 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 this is so dear to my heart. I've just this preached for a long time. But I hope we get to just the burden and I love to do I hope we get that because that's the way it all is. There's a poem that goes. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us lined the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their life a stirring testament of God's surrounding, sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us lead to those behind us, the heritage of faithfulness passed on through Beautiful. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. So may the fire of our devotion light their way. Fire of your devotion, light their way. This isn't compromise, friends. It's not a heart. There's not a lick of compromise in this. May the fire of my devotion light your way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe that the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find you. And me, faithful. And friends, if they do, we're going to have to make some big choices in our lives. And God bless you. Let's do it as a brotherhood. You have a holy faith that's worth living and dying for. God bless you as you work this out in your life.